Thanks for pressing play. This whole idea of story has become a huge area of focus in marketing. And if you've been paying attention, you've probably heard a lot of the same things I've heard, which is uh, you have to have a brand story. You got to do story marketing. You got to build story content, story, story, story. And most of what you see in the marketing and branding world about story is complete garbage. And here's why. Uh, people tell you stuff like, oh, the world cares about your story. You got to share your story with the world. Uh, I just want to share my story. Um, that stuff is garbage. No one cares about your story. And that's why the vast majority of people marketing story marketing are full of crapola. On the other hand, story is incredibly powerful. It is legendary. People uh, fall in love based on the story that they tell themselves about each other. People go to war over stories. People start countries over stories. And when used to design a category, a brand, and create massive enduring value, story can be legendary. So we asked the guru of the business of story himself, Park Howell, to come and educate us on how to construct legendary marketing stories, how story marketing and category design actually come together, uh, why the Gettysburg Address was legendary story marketing, and pay special attention to Park's thoughts on nursery rhymes. And uh, he's also going to give us an example. You're going to hear him give an example. And the example that Park uses uh, will be in the show notes at Lockhead.com if you want to check them out. We're sponsored by my good friends at Oracle NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Visit NetSuite.com slash different today and learn how you can build the foundation for your future. That's NetSuite.com slash different. And data has never been more important. Learn how you can turn data into doing at Splunk.com slash D2E, as in data, to everything. That's S-P-L-U-N-K dot com slash D, the number two, the letter E. And our new uh, newsletter, Category Pirates, has set sail. And if you would like a free trial to Category Pirates, email us at blackhole at lockhead.com, and we'll hook you up with a free trial. Now, hey-ho, Let's go. This is Lockheada Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. So, Park, what do most marketers get wrong about storytelling? Well, they think you can go to Hollywood and do it the Hollywood way, do it the Pixar way. But it doesn't work because most marketers are not award-winning screenwriters. They're not great at long-form content, and those forms are great for long-form content. And I have found, because I tried it myself, in fact, I wrote a whole book about this called Brand Bewitchery, and what I learned is taking the complex to the simple in your story marketing comes down to just three words, and that is one framework built on and, but, and therefore. You perfect that in your marketing, and all the rest of it you can just kind of throw out the window or get better at it, but you first have to perfect your and, but, and therefore. All right, Park, I'll bite. 
So tell me about and, but, and therefore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is the perfect three-act structure. Let's go back to Hollywood for a second of setup, problem, and resolution. But when you use the and button, therefore, you're not often telling a story at first. You are simply setting the stage for your customer. So, for instance, you want to start with the and statement, which is a statement of agreement. And I'll make it really simple where I start from. So the argument is a statement of agreement, Chris, that you and I could agree on is that most executives communicate and care. Now let's insert the problem. But bore. Therefore, here's the resolution in Act 3. Tell a freaking story. Can you just say exactly what you just said one more time so that it registers in my database? (laughs) Absolutely. So if you can boil it down to these three words, one framework, three words, and, but, therefore. Let me give you an example. And is a statement of agreement. You're setting the stage in Act 1. Most executives communicate and care... Now let's insert the problem, but bore. Therefore, here's the resolution. Tell a freaking story so you can hack through the noise and hook the hearts of your audiences. If you can get any marketer out there, get these, this framework down, these three words and button, therefore, it will have a profound impact in how you, on how you communicate anything moving forward. <laughs> I love it. And like, you know, a lot of things that are deceptively simple, you go, oh, that's really simple. But yeah, hardly anybody does it. And one of my favorite expressions, Park, is uh, complexity is the enemy of revenue. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And what I love about the framework and then how you implemented it with your example is you essentially gave me the way to answer the question. So tell me about what you do or tell me about your business. Whereas most people, of course, when you say to them, hey, tell me about your business, fucking A, grab yourself a beer, man, because it's going to take a while. Dude, this is a one-floor elevator pitch. I mean, you literally can bark this thing out in 20 words or less if you're really good at it. And what you're doing, um, I've learned this, is it hooks the limbic system or the subconscious of your audience, which that limbic system is always looking for this fight or flight. It's, it's a problem solution dynamic that you are playing to the natural way your brain, your audience's brain creates meaning out of the madness of being human beings, this problem solution dynamic. Now, what a lot of people will do is they start with the problem in the end statement. And we're like, no, start with the aspiration. What is it that your customer wants? And then insert the problem in your but statement. But here's why you don't freaking have it. Therefore, here's my solution on how to help you get that. And the, the, the trick here is to have as much contrast between that aspiration and that problem as possible. Short, succinct, specific contrast. And if you do that, your audience will give you all the time you need in your therefore solution. <laughs> I just love it. So let me go to one of the things I can't stand about some people who claim to be story brand experts. I I saw this on LinkedIn this morning. Some guy posted, telling your brand story is the most important thing marketers can do. I was like, no, no, (laughs) right? And here's the thing. Nobody gives a fuck about your story. Nobody. And what I love about what you're saying here is, What they do give a fuck about is them, their own problem. 
something they identify with. So your first statement is an empathetic one. You, fr- you, you tee up the problem and then you tease the solution and away you go. As opposed to what a lot of people who, who, who propose to be experts on quote unquote brand story marketing or story brand marketing, which is, oh, the world really cares about your story. So let's talk about your story. <laughs> and the first thing about your story is you. They don't give a fuck about you or your brand or your company or your product. People care about themselves and all these idiot story marketing gurus are trying to tell people how to better promote themselves or their product or their brand. You, your simple framework is a customer framework. It's a total customer framework because what you always want to do is put your customer in that and statement. Get them right up top so it makes you think about their problem and you you talk about it from their standpoint. You come in in Act 3, man. The brand is not the center of the story your customer is. You come in in Act 3, but if you set up and, and connect with them on an empathetic level and then really develop the contrast in their problem so they go, wow, you actually get me, they will give you all freaking day to talk about how you're going to help them. But you got to start it that way. And so why have so many marketers fallen into this trap park of thinking what they should talk about is their brand as opposed to the customer and the customer's problem. Yeah, it's navel gazing. I mean, it's social media. It's you go on Instagram and Instagram stories, which is the biggest misnomer going. There is no storytelling going on there. It's just a bunch of garbage coming at you. It's total uh, narcissistic navel gazing. The brand always thinks they got the best offering Everybody should just obviously buy into it and know that it's the best offering without taking the time to understand what your customer is up against. So I, I, it, it just is they got to get out of their own way. We are all so proud of our own work that we fall into this too. And I, I'll challenge you, Chris. I bet it happens to you as well when you go out and you talk about these great shows and stuff you're doing. How often do you have to catch yourself and realize, oh, shit, I'm talking about me. I, I, I need to switch this back over to my audience. I think it is a natural inclination of all of us homo sapiens, but we have to fight that urge in marketing because, like you said, nobody gives a crap. Nobody gives a shit about your company. They, they care about their problem. Yeah, and look, I, I understand it. I love to make amazing products, and I've been involved my whole career in helping to make amazing products of one sort or another. And so when somebody says, hey, tell me about what you do – it's easy to fall into this trap of telling them all about your awesome product, right? Because if you ask me to your point about my podcast or any of the shit I write or any of that, I can fucking tell you about that stuff forever. <laughs> forever. Um, but of course, nobody cares unless it matters to them, right? Unless it's in a context that they can relate to. And so if I was, um, you know, if I was working with you and I came to you and I said, you know, I'm a an entrepreneur and I have a software product or a new restaurant or whatever it is. And I, and I said, I want to work on um, being able to tell a story that's going to open people up to a new way of thinking, a new problem, evangelize my category and sort of um, move them from doing it one way or from thinking about it one way to another way. How do I put meat on the and, but, and therefore, uh, architecture, if we can call it that, mm-hmm. such that I end up with a brand story like the one that you used earlier that that is captivating right off the top. 
So here's what you do. You start in the middle. You start on your but statement, and you answer the question, what is the singular problem you solve? Now, whenever I pose that question to any marketers, well, they'll say, well, Park, you know, we solve all kinds of problems. We're so great. And I go, yeah, I don't care. I want to know what is your number one problem you solve. And you get them to boil it down and see if they can land on that. And then you jump up to the and statement. And that very next question is, okay, who do you solve this for? And I'm not talking about groups of people. I'm not talking about a ton of different audiences. I want one audience. Who do you solve that for? So then I say, okay, let's write those two statements. Let's start with the but. But they don't have it because of this. You know, just just answer that. Now jump up and say, let's say who they are. You know, for uh, tech-savvy executives who appreciate a solid CRM and it's important to their business to keep their people motivated and focused, but are mired in the confusion of the CRM industry out there without a simple solution, therefore... We make CRM easy with blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm just kind of spitballing that one, but you can see where it's coming from. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Now, I will tell you, your book, Play Bigger, was a huge benefit to me because you used the ABT in it, and I don't even know that you realized it. And the, the fact of the matter is we're all intuitive storytellers. You have proven yourself to be a brilliant marketer. So you are probably more intuitive and, and you understand this, but you're not necessarily intentional about it because nobody's taught you this. And yet I saw it. So when I used your approach to category design for one of my new customers about four years ago is an all natural supplement for the allergy world. Hey, I need that. Oh, it's great. It's called Heirloom. How do you spell that? A-I-R-L-O-O-M. Um, I actually gave the client your book and said, this is exactly what we're going to do in the very first step of our story cycle system. Well, shit, we're if gonna... it helps my allergies, I'll give them some free <laughs> consulting if they want it. <laughs> but in, in how you did your category design, I saw the ABT. And so I'm going to read the one that I wrote for them that was totally modeled off of your framework. And let me take you through it and just listen for the butts where it sets up. I'll do a setup, then the butt, here's the problem, and then you're going to get the solution. And you're going to hear three or four of these that leads to its ultimate category design. So here it is. How many times do you breathe each day? About 20,000 inhales and exhales. And that's not always easy if you suffer from airborne allergens. Some 50 million Americans do. 75% of which still rely on over-the-counter medications. Okay, now what I've done right there, uh, Chris, is that is all exposition. Here comes the first big but. But they don't realize that these drugs are often ineffective and could be making them even sicker. WebMD lists 34 side effects to common allergy meds, including dry mouth, drowsiness, itching, irritability, and nightmares. But they don't mention what other studies have found, that prescription and OTC allergy drugs can lead to cognitive impairment, including lowered IQ and potential increases in dementia and Alzheimer's. When it comes to understanding the true impacts of allergy meds, Americans are suffering from a severe case of mental mucus. 
Until now, introducing Heirloom for conscious allergy relief. Heirloom is the smartest all-natural support for allergy season with the most potent herbal supplement formulation designed for people mindful toward their mind and body. It's small batch, fresh allergy relief centered on clearing the air about the environmental and big pharma impacts of allergy season on you so you can inhale a healthy dose of life again. That's a fucking great piece of work right there, Park. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I, like I said, I followed your, your category design because when I saw how you did it in your book, I said, geez, there's the ABT and he's using it over and over again. Problem, conflict, you know, contradiction, and then remedy. And you notice in that document, in that phrasing, two thirds of that was setting up the problem. One third of it, here is your answer. Most people, most marketers will flip that completely on its head, share the answer, and then try to support their opinion that that's the answer. Now you don't have to because you've made your case before it. Park? Yes, sir. Is it wrong for one man to love another man? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad this is just audio and you're on the left coast and I'm out here in the desert. (laughs) But that's what I'm talking about. But just the simple part of your architecture that says two-thirds on the problem. I have said it so many times. Explain to entrepreneurs and marketers, the more, the bigger, the more urgent, the more strategic the problem, the more time, money, and energy people will put into solving the problem. And I've had entrepreneurs say, well, when do we get to talk about our solution? I'm like, ah, maybe <laughs> never. Because... The bigger the problem, and here's the other thing that most people don't understand. You were talking earlier about cognition in the brain. There's a weird switch that goes off in the brain. When somebody articulates our problem more powerfully and effectively than anyone else we've heard, the human brain makes the assumption that the person so perfectly articulating our problem, by definition, must have the solution. Mm Mm-hmm. And so just to underscore your point, it's the problem that matters. And if they, if you, if the problem lands, they assume you have the solution and yeah, at some point they're going to want to hear about the solution, but the reality is it's all about getting the problem to land. Well, and what about the understanding and empathy that is created between you and your audience? Someone, you know, they say, shit, he he must really know what I'm, I'm going through because he's so clearly articulated my problem. So there's immediate trust built there too. You know, don't, I wouldn't discount that. So yes, they go light. Well, the light switch goes on and goes, he's got my answer, but you know what? He gets me because he just so clearly articulated it. Yes. And here's another one that drives me insane about the idiots in the story marketing world. Now you have to have a really good founder story or founding story. How the company, why, why the, Right. And again, nobody cares that you and your cousin got together in the garage and started fucking around on this thing unless it's in a context that matters. So by way of example, we uh, not that long ago on Fall Year Different had this extraordinary entrepreneur named Gloria Huang on, and she's the founder of Thousand Helmets, a new category of bike helmet focused on the mobility market as opposed to the traditional uh, biking market. Anyway, incredible entrepreneur. Well, on their website is their founding story. In this case, the founding story is germane because what happened to Gloria was 
a dear friend of hers died on a bike not wearing a helmet. And she was a bike rider who didn't wear a helmet either. And she woke up and she started looking for helmets and she thought they all kind of sucked. And she said, there's got to be a better way. And away she went, right? So my point is when you read the story that says, well, the founder of this helmet company, Gloria Huang, started the company because she lost one of her best friends in a bike accident, that it relates to the fucking story of why you should wear a helmet and maybe be interested in this new category of helmet. It's not just a generic founder story of two people in a garage. And some somehow people think that having a good founder story that's not connected to anything that is empathetic or, or of interest yeah. to the, the customer problem is a good thing to go do. Yeah. Hey, Chris, a good story can kill a bad product quicker than anything. And if you've got a great founder story well told that has nothing to do with the product or offering, you create a disconnect there. But now in the case of the bike helmet person you're talking about, yes, here's what's driving her. Here's her Simon Sinek why. Here's my, I lost my good friend to this. I went to get a helmet. They all sucked out there. If I felt this way, then someone else must too. So I went out and founded this company. And that's why I've poured my heart and soul into the design of this helmet. It's safe. It's stylish. You're going to love it. So, yes, that is. But you know what? There are a ton of those stories out there that are, have gone untold, and they are like gold sitting below your feet. You just have to unearth them and tell them well. But it has to tie to your why and, and why it is you do what you do in your business. Huge believer in that. And so when you're a master at it, of course. And so you gave a great example of a – uh, how a story fulfills a category design. And I hate to put you on the spot, but can you think of a founder's story that similarly kind of sits in the right kind of context? Well, I could tell you the founder's story to Heirloom, which is amazing. And we couldn't tell it at first because these were such prominent healthcare professionals that they were afraid that they would come out across looking like Dr. Oz if they found their own supplement, but uh, they, they've gotten over that because they know how important this is. And by the way, this particular supplement has quercetin in it and has been hugely helpful in uh, COVID because quercetin has a way of going in and putting this protective coating around your cells. And so even if you get COVID, it has a harder time spreading in your body because of this, but I won't go on. But their quick founder story is she worked in health and human services at the, in the Obama administration in DC, and he is a very, very famous spinal surgeon out here in Arizona, and they lived in Tucson and would go back and forth to DC. She got horrible, horrible allergies, and he came home one night after a long day of surgery and found her lying on the, the, the living room floor. She couldn't even get herself up to go upstairs. She was in such bad shape. She was taking injections and taking all these meds and whatever, and she said she felt like they were killing her. And these are really, really healthy folks. Sham and Avni Shridharani, by the way, you can look them up. She looked up. To, at him through teary eyes and said, you're a smart man. You, you should be able to find something that can help me. To this point, Sham had never gotten himself into the su supplemental world, but he knew that these meds were killing her, just, you know, not, not helping. So he went in and he studied and he studied and he found these five compounds he brought together. 
first tried them on her. She immediately started feeling better. Family and friends said, wow, what, Avni, what are you taking? Well, Sham has put together this concoction, if you will. And over the course of the next five years, he would make it for other people and everybody got better and better and better. They finally said, you know, we need to take this to market. They didn't need the money because they're very successful in what they did. They just felt like we have found something that can make a difference out there. And so they created Heirloom. They brought me in to help them with their brand name, brand story, and so forth. But their origin story was so powerful that I said, if you want to really make a hit you know, in the market and through PR, we have to tell your story. And they said, no, we're uncomfortable doing that right now. We're afraid people you know, will think less of us if we come out in the supplement world. And then after a couple of years, they finally got over that. And now they're telling their story. That to me is a, another example of a great founder story. Um, Patagonia, you know, is a great example of a founder story. Um, why one of my I, all-time favorites. One of my spacing on his name, Chenard. Um, Yvonne Chenard. Thank you. Have you, you read know? his book, Let My People Go Surfing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, here's a guy that was in the outdoors, loved it. And then he realized that he and his friends were tearing the hell out of things. <laughs> so he said, we got to figure out a better way to do this. And that pretty much is the whole definition of Patagonia always has been. One of my favorite storytelling brands. Yeah. Are there any other sort of key elements here you want to make sure we touch on for how we develop kind of a legendary story, particularly in the context of designing a category? Yeah. Well, let me give you an example of the ABT. We've talked about it, you know, in a little bit larger format in designing a category. So say you already own a category and you are in it and your website stinks because you own it. So you're navel gazing and you're thinking, I don't really have to romance my buyers or my customers, but let me show you how you can use the ABT on a landing page. All right. And I'm going to pull it from kind of a weird source. This is the cargo hauling industry, and I'm going to not say the name of the customer. I helped them through this with their sales team, and so um, I'll just let's just say it, call them the cargo company. So I go onto one of their websites, their landing pages, and, and by the way, they own the hooks and straps and, and, and bolting down of your big time cargo. That's that's what they sell. So you go to the landing page. It says flatbed trailer cargo securement. Pretty sexy headline, right? So all SEO, no humanity in it, which is fine. Let me read you what was on there and then how I rewrote it using an ABT, which is actually even shorter, but storifies it. So they start, we are the cargo control people. So, you know, just like you and I were talking about, Chris, it's we, we, we. And we are here to help truckers and fleets alike get back control over their cargo. So now they're not even talking about you. They're talking about you in third person. Give us a tie-down problem and we'll give you, oh, there you are, the ideal solution to make the securement job a smooth and effortless process. From straps to winches to ropes to hooks, we have everything you need to help you securely tie down your important cargo. All right? So there you go. So you're thinking, uh, what you can't really do much with this, can you? Well, watch what happens when you put the ABT in it and you now write it from your customer's perspective. Your cargo is gold. And it's critical to ship it as safely as possible. But there are many potholes along the road to a successful delivery. Therefore, secure your valuable load with the straps, winches, ropes, and hooks from the cargo control people at Cargo Company. <laughs> See the difference there? Uh, you know what I'm reminded <laughs> by? Um, I don't know if you ever saw the fake rock documentary, Spinal Tap. 
Oh, God. About five times. My wife still rolls her eyes whenever I turn it on. Yeah, well, it's one of those movies that makes wives roll their eyes. <laughs> but uh, you no doubt then remember the uh, the line from Spinal Tap. There's such a fine line between clever and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's like, well, a lot of the words were the same in both those um, pieces of copy, but they uh, elicit a very different kind of reaction from the reader, don't they? Yeah, they do. And it puts the reader, you know, at the center of the story. And by the way, you're humanizing it. You know, just to say your cargo's gold, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, thank you. It's, it's important stuff. And of course, it's critical to get it there as safely as possible. You get to use the euphemism or, you know, the potholes along the road to a successful delivery, which can right. mean anything. But, but gosh, right. it sure plays nicely into driving down the road with a bunch of cargo. And then, oh, by the way, we're here. Here's what we do to make sure that you get it there as safely as possible. So we make a statement of empathy or understanding of some sort. Throw in an and just to get it over the top. We're raising the stakes when you throw in the and. So that statement of agreement and it's important because, but. But it's a big fucking problem. <laughs> Therefore, ta-da. Yeah. Six minute abs. Yeah. You, you know, here you are and you want this, but you don't have it because of this. Therefore, we're going to deliver it to you by doing this. I mean, if you're going to boil it down to something. The other interesting thing, uh, and I'm guessing it's very purposeful. So I want to ask you, and if I'm right in my assumption, underscore, the but is not the customer's fault. It's the situation or the environment or circumstance or, or the way things are today, you know, but the complexity of today's software solutions means that da, 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 or, but legacy transportation options or blah, 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 whatever it is, right. It's not the customer. It's not, but you're a fucking idiot who never paid attention. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a circumstantial uh, created problem as opposed to one that's uh, created by the actual customer. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're just appealing to their frustration. What are they most frustrated about? You know, what do they want and what is standing in the way of them getting it? And it could, you know, actually be customer self-imposed, but you're not calling them out. You are just speaking to that problem and that frustration. So you get them nodding saying, yeah, you, you know me because you know what I want. You know, I don't got it. So you got a way I can get there? <laughs> what is it? I love it, Park. Doesn't it seem so basic, though? I know, but nobody does it. I know. I know. And when they do, shit changes, right? Their revenue changes. Yeah, it Yeah, because when they figure out, and, you know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life saying this, brands are about us. Categories are about customers. Yeah. Right. They're about customer problems. They're about customer opportunities and what they should do to solve those problems or access those opportunities. And people who speak about things that other that matter to others tend to be the ones who win as opposed yeah. to those who just talk about their fucking selves, which is why I argue the entire marketing world, the entire entrepreneur world is massively over focused on branding. I think you're right. And it it. it goes back to this idea you had said a little bit earlier, too, because I want to really drive this home. You said, it seems so simple, or people think it seems so simple it couldn't possibly work. And I've had people literally in sessions. I had one lady, it was a tech company, and she was ahead of their web development. And she was a big old gal, and she had her arms crossed, and she was freaking mean mugging me for about 10 minutes. 
And I'm going through the ABT and I finally looked at her and I said, Claire, what is it? What's bothering you? She goes, this ABT stuff is just reductive and insulting. It was like I was boiling it down and trying to take away from their intuitive, their intellect, you know, and I go, no, no, it's, it's simple and powerful and hard to get it right. And I'm just not making this stuff up. If you go to the Gettysburg Address, you'll see the Gettysburg Address is a perfect and button therefore. The Gettysburg Address, did you know that Lincoln was not the keynote speaker at Gettysburg that day? That day? Nobody knows this. The dude speaks before Lincoln. His name was Edward Everett. He was the former Secretary of State, self-proclaimed orator. He spoke for two hours. Lincoln steps on stage and addresses the crowd for exactly two minutes, 272 words. And yet it's one of the most iconic, legendary leader addresses of all time. And if you look at it, it's set up in a perfect and, but, and therefore framework. He was just a brilliant storyteller. He knew the power of contradiction and consequence. And that's what he was, was delivering that day. If you look at any nursery rhyme or most 90% of all nursery rhymes are an ABT. Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet and she was eating her curds and whey. But along came a spider who sat down beside her. Therefore, little Miss Muffet ran away. It's this powerful dynamic that's been around forever. Let me read you one that I love. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, but Jack fell down and broke his crown. Therefore, Jill came tumbling after. Now, back in 1991, Crown Royal came out with one of the greatest ads. It was done like it was um, knitted on this purple background. Um, It's like needlepoint, and it's Jack and Jill. And it reads, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown royal, and now Jill's dating some guy from L.A. When I saw (laughs) that ad, I just laughed my ass off. I was a young copywriter at the time, Chris, and I said, that is so freaking brilliant because of just having fun on that rhyme. But you know what? There's the ABT right there. It just Everybody (laughs) knows what it is. They did it in a novel way. But there's the ABT once again. You see it everywhere. And you just proved something that I've always believed but never quite had the tools to articulate it powerfully, which is Dr. Seuss was one of the most legendary marketers of all time. <laughs> and, and the reason I've always said that is we remember so many of the lines. And part of marketing is being uh, memorable. And, and he sets that stuff up all the time, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's like in a nursery rhyme. He really does. Our, uh, our, our middle child, our son Parker, went to film school at Chapman University, graduated 2010. He's been in Hollywood, and he does a lot of directing of virtual reality and mixed reality, he now calls it, films and TV and live streaming and so forth. They went to Burning Man. First time he had ever gone to Burning Man with his, some of his film school buddies, and they created a film there called Oh, the Places You'll Go at Burning Man, using Dr. Seuss, but they went and they captured all of the characters from Burning Man reciting the entire story. And it was one of the first significant films that ever came out of Burning Man. Most things, you know, and little videos stayed in there, but it was so big. I don't think I like 4 million views on that thing now, but it launched this whole sub industry of Burning Man films coming out of it. And again, you've got the power of Dr. Seuss and then all these Burning Man characters running around when you get a chance uh, check it out because it was one of the things that kind of launched his career right out of film school but the power story once again that's so cool park
Oh, the places you'll go. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, huh? (laughs) Well, the great thing is, I used to be able to get some really awesome animation out of him. All I had to do is play my Chapman University tuition card, and then (laughs) that ran for a few several thousands of dollars and finally goes, yeah, I think we're pretty much made up there. And so then I had to start paying him for my, my animations. And finally, I just got a really cool one out of him demonstrating my story cycle narrative thing. And I said, tell you what, this will be my Christmas present and birthday present. So he didn't have to buy me anything, but I got some animation out of him. <laughs> Horse trading with your son. It, 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 it turns out that saying to him, hey, I fucking brought you into this world. Now make me an animation that that, that runs out of steam after a while. <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, the longer he lives in Hollywood, the more woke he gets. Yeah, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, dad, not as important as he once was. <laughs> no, no. But going back to your question about category design real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You use the ABT by getting it so super focused, nobody can share the same ABT as you. And when you get to that point that nobody can say it like you can say it and mean it, then you now have just put a little shadow on your category design, has helped separate you, differentiate you from everybody else. But this is a fabulous little algorithm tool to help you do that. I love it. You know, and it, and it ties something to one of my friends and, and uh, mentors, Rick uh, Bennett, says he was the original ad guy for Larry Ellison at Oracle and Mark Benioff at Salesforce, for that matter. But one of the things he said Ellison always used to say on differentiation is, Never say anything that your competitor could say too. Absolutely. And so if we use the ABT properly, to your point, we get to say something in a way that our competitor can't say. Absolutely. And it makes you focus on the problem you solve, the singular problem for the singular market. Even though you may play off to two or three different markets, get super focused on that market and that problem you solve. And then hopefully you have a unique way of, of solving it that really actually works. And then you got gold. Yeah. I love it. Anything else, Park? <laughs> no, I think I'll take a drink of beer here and, 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 and regroup. that sounds like a good idea i might share a scotch with you on that one all right brother listen i can't thank you enough this has been awesome i hope you'll come back and uh thank you for being uh for doing such legendary work in this area it's so the ability to tell a powerful story changes the trajectory of companies and lives and uh, i really appreciate the great work that you do no thank you chris thank you so much for having me here truly appreciate it my pleasure all right there he is the legendary Park Howell. Check out his business podcast. His podcast is called The Business of Story, wherever you get legendary podcasts. The Business of Story. Our friends at Atranet have been building legendary B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Remember, your website is more often than not the first impression people have of you. So why not make it legendary? A-T-R-E dot N-E-T. Visit them today. Our black and brown brothers and sisters in the United States uh, get treated like shit in the banking system. And uh, we're encouraging uh, businesses, faith-based organizations, and individuals to make a deposit in a black-owned bank. We call them justice deposits because moving part of your cash to a black-owned bank means they have more money to lend. And as you know, every loan is a dream coming true. All right, today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes, and this Oddcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. Uh, Warning, the creators of this Oddcast have clearly been consuming libations. 
Uh, if you want to learn more about black banks, go uh, check out Follow Your Different with Terry Williams. She's the president of One United Bank, the largest black-owned bank in the United States of America. Remember to spread podcasts, not viruses. We are produced and edited by the GOAT, Jason DeFilippo. Check out his podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. Sarah Knox and Jamie J. do legendary technical execution. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from uh, one of my favorite quotes. And the quote is from J.K. Rowling. And she says, there's always room for a story that can transport people to another place. That's it, my friends. Please stay safe. Stay legendary. And until we're together again, follow your different.